0: Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this podcast. We are just about at episode number 600. It was six years ago when I was sitting at a conference and the speaker said, if you ever feel like you're in a rut and you want to get out of it, go interview 50 smart people and there's no way you don't come out the other side with fresh ideas and inspiration. And I was just going to do that on my blog. At the time, I was writing blogs about four days a week. Now I'm lucky to do it once a week. Uh, But I was a, a pretty avid writer, and I thought, I'll do that. And somebody said, Tom, why don't you make it a podcast? And this was six years ago before everyone who breathed air had a podcast. And so I looked into it, and I started what was then called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do Uh, Along the way, it took on a lot of iterations. We interviewed two people a week. It's now coming up on episode number 600. It's now got a new name, a fresh outlook. Uh, I interview a lot of people who I work with, both in my career as a speaker and a trainer, and also in my role working for an executive search firm. And I'm having a lot of fun with this show. I'm glad I did it, and I'm super glad I didn't stop at episode 50. Because if I had stopped five and a half years ago, I never would have today's guest and I am really excited for today's guest because he is he's really kind of an inspiration to me. He's been sort of an idol to me in my, my speaking business. He is a friend and he's somebody who many of you will know and if you don't know him, you're gonna need to spend some time after this show looking up all of his research and what he talks about. His name is Jason Dorsey and he is an expert. I mean a real expert, not just someone who calls himself an expert on the generations we all know that we still have four generations in the workforce. We have the baby boomers. We have Gen X, which I'm a part of. Yes, let's not forget Generation X. I'm going to have to ask Jason why nobody speaks of us, but they never do. But we're here. Uh, of course, we have the millennials. And now, fresh into the workforce, just a couple of years, Generation Z. And Jason is releasing a new book, I think like this week, called Z-Economy. And he co-authored this with his wife, who is actually smarter than Jason is. She has a PhD, uh, Denise Villa. And I think their book is going to be awesome. I can't wait to get my hands on it. It comes out in just a couple of days. So Jason Dorsey, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level.
1: Thank you, Tom. It, it's really an honor to be here. It's been an honor to uh, watch your career. You're certainly an inspiration to me and how you've helped so many people around the world. So thanks for having me on and, and being part of such a great conversation.
0: So you used to be kind of known as, as the Gen Y guy, right? You were the guy who kind of early to the game, start with when the millennials really sort of were starting to be talked about before the generations became such a hot topic. You early on were speaking about this, but you yourself were a Gen Y guy, uh, a millennial, if you will. And you were at the older edge of that, but you started speaking on this when you were pretty young. Let's talk about when you entered into the, the world of being an expert on generations.
1: Yeah, I started speaking professionally at age 18, which is pretty young. I had written a book then and really just wanted to help my generation. The terms like Gen Y and millennials weren't even around then. It was purely I was a young person wanted to help my generation and wrote a book and ended up speaking a lot. And then on all kinds of TV shows, you know, the Today Show and The View and then ultimately on 60 Minutes. I've been on about 200 television shows now. And then out of that, what I realized is there was a real misunderstanding about my generation at at the time in particular. That's when I became known as the Gen Y guy because I had worked with half a million of my generation and was just sharing what I learned. But out of that, uh, about 13 years ago, we became a research firm uh, with Denise, as you shared, my wife, where we wanted to, to truly focus on research-based insights around generations. Because to your point, there's a lot of people who talk about generations. There's very few who do real research. And so we founded the Center for Generational Kinetics to lead primary research quantitative and qualitative around the world. We've now had uh, just over 700 clients, many of the biggest brands in the world, and we get to live every day looking at people's data, leading research studies, and and figuring out what's true and what's just a really cool meme.
0: (laughs) Well, there's a lot of cool memes about the generations, but let's let's go backwards in time. So when you were like in the crib and I was in college back in like the 90s, I – you know, I, I got out of college in 1989. Nobody, everybody talked about the baby boomers, but they talked about them because there was just a lot of babies born in the 50s and early 60s. But there was, and you know, they had gone through Woodstock and stuff, but there wasn't really a lot. Like there was the baby boomers and my brothers were all part of that. Then there was this other group of people who were just their younger brothers or cousins or whatever. There wasn't a lot of talk about it. And in fact, the term Generation X was like, In a book that came out like in the late 80s when I was in college, but it didn't hit the vernacular until like 1992 when like I forget if it was Time or one of the magazines quoted that title as Generation X. I was already out of college at that point before anybody ever named my generation. Now you look at Generation Z and they were named in the crib that that you are all a generation. What spawned this look at generations that didn't exist back in like the 90s?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Well, you know, obviously I was not uh, as a millennial. I don't remember the whole Gen X conversation emerging. But what I can share with you is that the millennial conversation really reached a fever pitch. You know, I mean, that's why I was on so many TV shows and still am. I've got a whole bunch of interviews this week. And what's happened with millennials is people thought that millennials were just going to be like every other generation. You know, they'll grow out of it. But it didn't happen that way and it caused massive pain. Employers, I mean you've heard it all that uh, you know, turnover went up, it's hard to recruit them, they wanted crazy perks, their pants are pulling off, they're living with their mom, all this stuff, which is frankly how we got into this because a lot of that's not true uh, and we wanted to figure out was it true and it turns out it wasn't true. Um, but but as millennials sort of reach this fever pitch, at least our thesis was, this isn't a conversation about a single generation it's a generational conversation. We need to talk about all the generations in context because every generation brings something incredibly important. You know, uh, unfortunately, young people were making fun of baby boomers recently with this whole, okay, boomer thing, and they're like, oh, baby boomers, they don't know how to use technology. And I'm like, they invented the <laughs> phone you're using. <laughs> that computer you now live on for your online learning, they made that too. You know? So it's interesting how quickly different generations sort of create these views and then, and then sort of smirk at other generations. But, you know, our thesis was that every generation brings something valuable and people confuse generations with life stage. You stay in one generation, you pass through life stages. And then as millennials became sort of this big conversation, really globally, uh, it sort of heightened the awareness of all generations. And, and now um, there's a lot of people talking about it. There's a lot of people looking at it in, in our work which is we help brand leaders understand uh, consumers by generation, be able to market to them, sell to them, build loyalty, drive referrals and trust and so forth. And then we help employers figure out how to recruit and retain, motivate and develop talent. And. One of the things that we've proven mathematically is that understanding generations and being able to adapt to them, this is not coddling, by the way, this isn't catering, nobody's saying give them a trophy and send a note home to somebody, but (laughs) but truly just adapting to what works for them, you can drive better outcomes and you can drive predictable better outcomes that lead to measurable results. And I think that's what people want right now.
0: So obviously, you know, there's been a lot of talk in, in the media, not in your research necessarily, but there's been a lot of talk in the media where they pit sort of the baby boomers against The millennials. There's like all this stuff. Yeah. Sitting right between them is a much smaller, but really good looking and smart generation of people. (laughs) How come nothing is ever said for the most part in this discussion about Generation X? Let's let's put it out there. Why are we ignored?
1: Yeah, it's so my wife is in Gen X. She's the CEO of our firm and leads all of our research. As you said, she has a Ph.D. So we joke about this quite a bit. Uh, It's interesting. Boomers were such a large generation, 80 million roughly, that they really overshadowed, you know, subsequent generations, including Gen X. But what happened is millennials are also an equally large generation of around 80 million. So you end up with these two massive, highly opinionated generations, and then Gen X sort of stuck in the middle and nobody talks about them. But if you've ever heard me speak, you know, this is the thing I talk about Gen X a lot, is that Gen X is actually the glue between the generations. They're the bridge. I like to say it's because they don't like either millennials or baby boomers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and,
0: and, so I heard I heard a comic at, at, a, at a thing say the reason you don't hear about Generation X is because they're not nearly as narcissistic. They don't have to be talked about. So therefore, they don't get talked about.
1: That's funny because they do come all the time. Are you going to talk about Gen X? So maybe now they really want some attention. <laughs> yeah. Not that you're bringing it up as a Gen Xer, but the. Uh, <laughs> The key thing with Gen X is they, they're they at a really important time right now. In fact, uh, in our latest study that we just led, uh, we were able to see that Gen X is, is being pulled in more directions than any other generation. And that's because where Gen X is right now, many times they're taking care of their parents. They're often taking care of a kid or children and they're trying to juggle their career. So they're really being pulled in three very different directions, more so than any other generation generation right now um, during this pandemic. And in fact, Gen X are the parents of Gen Z. I know that sounds like alphabet soup, but follow me here. Baby boomers were the parents of millennials and they raised millennials with this attitude of we wanted it to be easier for you than it was for us, right? And they succeeded <laughs> and that created a whole situation of entitlement. And the irony here is the generation most offended by millennials acting entitled are other millennials who do not feel entitled <laughs> because we think the rest of the generation given us a bad reputation. <laughs> and then you have Gen X, your generation, who told their kids, Gen Zers who are in our book, you will not end up like one of those millennials.
0: <laughs> and, and I've raised two of them. So that's exactly right. That was a big part of the vernacular. Don't be a millennial. So, so let's talk about this book because I think it's fascinating. I've read the, I haven't read the book yet because it's not out, but I have read sort of the, the, the bio of the book, if you will. And mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. And you're talking about, it's called Z economy as in like how they're going to affect the economy is, is the, is the, is my take on it. Uh, what is it that we need to know about Gen Z as they're now just entering the workforce? My, my. Uh, Oldest daughter is at the top of that generation, and she graduated college about 15 months ago. So, you know, Gen Z, they're out there. They've been working Mm -hmm. a couple of years
1: now. What do we need to know about them? Well, the first thing that's really important for leaders to know is that what worked with millennials is not working with Gen Z. And I think that's really important. So many companies got caught flat-footed because millennials changed everything and the companies didn't change fast enough. Well, now we've been studying Gen Z for five years. You know, in total, we've led more than 65 generational studies. And what we're seeing is that Gen Z is very different. They're not millennials 2.0. And that's incredibly important to understand as they emerge right now. To your point, the oldest are around 24, 25 years old. In fact, we were able to prove that the end of the millennial generation and the start of Gen Z was caused by September the 11th, 2001. And you may remember that a few years ago, people kept saying that uh, millennials went to the year 2000. And we proved that wrong. And we proved that you couldn't be born after 1995 and process the significance of September the 11th, 2001 in the same way those born before 1995 do. That's what we call a generation-defining moment in our uh, work. And so knowing that, you actually have the end of millennials in the beginning of Gen Z. Or the way I like to think about it and explain it is to Gen Z, nine eleven has always been history. They don't remember it. They learned about it from a parent. They saw it on YouTube. They learned about it in school. It's a massive, massive generational difference. My
0: 18-year-old's so favorite thing to do, she worked retail um, at, at a big outdoor store, at an REI. And they're not a sponsor, but I'll give them a plug. Great place to work. They were very good to her when she was in high school. And most of the people she worked with were much older than her. And her favorite thing to do was say, what do you remember about nine eleven? And then, of course, they would launch into what they remember about that day, whether they were 10 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old. At the time, they would go into the whole thing, and then another coworker would always go, ask her, ask her. And they'd ask her, what do you remember? And she'd go, I wasn't born yet.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's it. And it's, you know, it's easy to overlook that, but it's a big difference. And so what we found that people need to know, Gen Z, this is pretty shocking, and we write about this a lot in Z economy book, Gen Z is more practical with their money than millennials wore. You know, they came of age around the great recession. They weren't in the workforce, but they saw their parents struggle. They heard that struggle. They saw millennials crash into student loan debt and have to move out and then move back home and all of that play out. And so they're much more practical with their money. They're driving double digit growth at thrift stores. They're looking for coupons and discounts. They want things that are gonna last a long time. They wanna know they got a good deal. It's just very strange given how young they are. At the same time, we're finding that what they want from an employer and for employers listening, this is really important. They want an employer that they view as having stability which by the way, this is the opposite of millennials. Millennials wanted fast growth, stock options, get rich quick. Gen Z is like, I want an employer that's going to be here for a long time and an employer that offers benefits. Note that benefits is different than perks. They're not worried about, you know, the fancy coffee maker or bike, you know, uh, that you're going to be able to get them, which they're not going to the office anyways. <laughs> but what they want to know is, do you have retirement matching? What, what type of health insurance do you have? What are these other benefits? It's very unusual for their age. In fact, 12% of Gen Z was already saving for retirement two years ago which is really shocking given how young they are. And then when you fast forward, the way they use social media, they're more influential as consumers than anyone else. They're gonna impact this election, whether or not they vote, by the way, through how they use um, social media and digital marketing technology. And then looking ahead, they don't think they'll ever be able to afford to retire They don't think they'll have social security. I mean, they just have some very different views of the world. And at the same time, climate change keeps coming up in social justice as two very important things for them that determine where they spend their money, where they work, who they vote for and where they want to live.
0: So, Jason, I've got a lot of questions about this because Gen Z is important. It's important to me because I'm the father of two of them, but it's important to all of us. But before I can go into these other questions, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves like Jason Dorsey. Hey, if you want to start a podcast... And I know that some of you do jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jason, that's interesting stats that you shared with us about Gen Z and they're starting early and they're, they're thinking about retirement. They don't care about the perks as much as they care about, you know, what are the benefits of this? So what does Gen Z need to know? You kind of told us what employers need to know about them. What does Gen Z need to know about the world?
1: Yeah, well, what we see that that where Gen Z's uh, got a lot of room to grow, and, and some of it's due to their youth, some of it is frankly just due to their entry into adulthood right now. So Gen Z is getting their driver's license later than ever before. That's a huge deal because older generations, even Gen X, your generation, Tom, you know, a driver's license was a ticket to freedom. I,
0: I was there on my 16th birthday.
1: My I have no doubt. You, you probably even parallel parked effectively. Like you had it all. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. In fact, in the Singer family, that's the one thing you do or you're not allowed to get your drive. My dad was a parallel parking phenomenon. And to this day, I can fit. I fit a rental car into a space that was barely big enough for a Yugo the other day. That's my skill. That's my
1: secret skill is parallel parking. See, that's see, very Gen X feel I like that. And so, uh, so they're getting their driver's license later, which is interesting because if you just think about what freedom used to mean. Freedom used to mean getting in a car, going somewhere. Now, freedom is hopping online and playing any number of games, you know, that they're doing all day long or it's seeing your friends on FaceTime or going on TikTok or whatever. So, just a different way to think about connecting, engaging, and exploring. It's just very different than physically driving. So, that's interesting because we think that's going to impact mobility with the generation longer term, how they think about traveling and so forth, freedom, self-reliance, but we also see, and this one is, is probably even more important for your listeners, given their executives, is that Gen Z is entering the workforce later than ever before. So, and, and by the way, that keeps going up. So, we don't know exactly how high that age is going to go, but if you look at workforce participation among young people, it's, it's quite low, relatively speaking, and that's important because when you look at employers today, they think somebody, oh, you're 22, you must have at least some job experience, and the reality is they may have none, zero, and so they don't know how to do things. They may not know how to interview. They may not know how to give good customer service. They may not know uh, what it means to, to do sales or what have you, but what we find is they can be extremely good at that if you just give them examples. But if you expect them to know when they show up, they may disappoint you because they've never had that experience. But we find particularly with onboarding, uh, using text message, which is a whole different uh, podcast, but being able to use text messages to onboard new employees and drive engagement, a huge deal with Gen Z, being able to provide videos to all these various uh, learning platforms so they can get up to speed very quickly, and then giving them feedback so they get better, faster, huge opportunity for the generation to unlock their talent. And and this is a generation that says they're going to work longer, and we already see this with some of our larger employers that have been employing Gen Z. For some of them, Gen Z loyalty or retention is higher than millennials, and it should be the opposite. Mm -hmm. And then the last one I would share is Gen Z still has room to learn about personal finance, uh, things like credit scores and understanding how to meet those financial goals. You know, for many of them, say Saving money is viewed as investing. Obviously, those two things are different. And also trying to understand how they think about, uh, you know, uh, budgeting and so forth. There's still room there. But what we find is tremendous interest from the generation to learn how to be better with their money. And that is absolutely phenomenal. So the early
0: parts of your study kind of says Gen Z is going to kick some ass in a good way. Not, I'm not dissing any of the other generations but what you've just said about them what they're already doing and what they're poised to be able to learn you know this this is going to be a Z economy
1: yeah you're exactly right I mean what we're it's it's a highly uh, provocative stance to take but we believe that Gen Z <laughs> Wait, especially
0: leave- especially because the millennials aren't going to like that stance.
1: <laughs> as a millennial. I don't even like it, but I'm, I'm a data guy. So the, uh, but the data does show that it looks like Gen Z could leapfrog millennials in the workforce. Uh, and we're starting to see that play out. And It'll be really interesting long-term, particularly if Gen Z continues down this path of, yes, we want to go to college, but we want to graduate with less debt. Yes, we want to work somewhere, but we plan to work longer, which by the way, over time generally means you get promoted faster. So there's a lot of things that are really in their favor, intentional or not, whether that's learning from millennials and going, I don't want to end up there. I want to do something different or I'm going to take the best from that and and apply that. Like we actually think Gen Z is a huge asset. Now, do they have things to learn? Sure, but don't we all, Uh, you know? And so all of that is still there, but what's really exciting is the contribution they're already making and where we believe that they'll be headed. And in fact, for brands, you know, Gen Z can be the best advocates you get. I mean, yeah, you're, you know, this podcast here that's been wildly successful for you, you, know, this is exactly the kind of thing that Gen X and millennials really started and spearheaded, but Gen Z are huge advocates of, and being able to take this and share this kind of message. So it's, I think it's a really exciting time to look at a generation that's much more diverse than previous generations, that has a real spending power, that's older than most people think, that's establishing loyalty right now, and wants to make a difference in the workforce and the world. Like, it's incredibly exciting.
0: So in your research, and I, 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 I'm i guesstimating here just from things I've seen, the 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 lifespan of a generation is somewhere around 15 years, right? I mean, it's like if you look at, like they say, the, the baby boom or the Gen X started like 1965, 4, 5, and then cuts off around 1980. But 15 years is a long time. So do we have to really bifurcate these generations? Are there older generations? Millennials, younger millennials, are there older Xers and that, baby boomers? How does that work?
1: Oh, such an insightful question. Yes. Uh, So when I present, I have this chart that sort of shows the years as people were taught. And then I have one that shows the years based on our research. So for example, um, baby boomers are generally accepted to be born between 1946 and 1964. But what we found is that older baby boomers and younger baby boomers are very different because they had different formative events. And what's interesting is if we put them split into two generations on a slide before that, they're all confused. But if you put that on there after you've explained that, they go, that is so true. We are so different because they had diff- very different formative events. Sure. And then when you look at millennials, We're not sure if it's going to be older millennials or younger millennials. This is something we've been talking about and tracking for many years now, but we are tracking, and there's a bunch of this on my website. We have a chart about it, uh, what we call Megalennials and Millennials. Megalennials are those who are sort of out there doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, whatever that means, you know, pulling themselves forward, becoming increasingly self-reliant and feeling like they're moving forward. And then there's what we call millennials and the millennials are the ones that are struggling to move forward that really feel like they're spinning their wheels. And interestingly, around the age of 30, we find people self-select into one part of the generation or the other Mm. and they can no longer relate to the other part of their own generation. And so we think that will continue to play out for several more years.
0: So one of the reasons I bring that up is that we we've only got if you, you know if you're saying the oldest ones are twenty four ish, they've only been out of college two years, looking at that basic fifteen year span, eight or nine years of of what we're gonna call Generation Z are currently in high school and college. A big mm-hmm. chunk of the middle of that generation are still in those years. How is COVID and quarantine and everything that's happened to students, I mean, we, we talk a lot about what's happening to people at work, but I'm living it with a high school and now college-age kid. Their lives have been up, uprooted. How is this life experience gonna impact this generation?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Back in March, um, we came out and said that we believed that COVID-19 would be the generation-defining moment for Gen Z. We even put this in the Z Economy book. Now, we didn't know if that was going to be true. Nobody knew how long this was going to last, how deep it was going to get, and so forth. Obviously, that's proven very true. Um, and so, it, the longer this goes on, even the more severe it is. And we're talking about mental health and other issues. Mm-hmm. But when we look at Gen Z through the lens that you just gave us in terms of the age breakdown, What we find is that the older members of Gen Z seem to have it much worse near term. And what do I mean by that? If you're in transition years, meaning you're going from high school to college or college to the workforce, this has been pretty devastating for many of those young adults. Uh, Maybe job offers got rescinded. They didn't get to get an internship. They thought they were going to go from college and get their own apartment. Now they're back with their mom. Maybe this degree they've been pursuing for three or four years is suddenly There's not going to be any jobs in that industry, uh, which is a very real deal. If you studied retail merchandising or, you know, something in petroleum, like all sorts of things have changed recently. And now all of a sudden, those young people are really stuck. This, by the way, happened with the Great Recession in Millennials, and they experienced at least five years or so of diminished earnings because they weren't able to transition into the world of work and into adulthood as seamlessly as as they had hoped. I mean, we there's lots of data that shows that the best time to get a job is out, you know, your senior in college. If you go to college, university, which is, you know, a lot of people, then you can uh, use that period of time. That's the best time to transition directly into a job or a career. Now, if you go the other path, which is you didn't finish college, university, or you go from high school into the workforce, maybe you didn't finish high school. There's a lot of young people today that are just out there in the workforce, which, you know, is a path, right? Somebody like me, I didn't finish college. I just went straight to work. But what we see in that, that's super interesting, is that right now Gen Z is the group that was the number, this is in our new study we just released, was the number one group to be laid off during COVID, have their hours reduced during COVID. Covid Or have a change in job um, responsibilities during COVID. So people are saying it was millennials and Gen X and boomers. And that's not true at all. It was significantly more of young people who have immediately had economic suffering uh, due to COVID-19. It affected
0: affected both of my daughters directly. One was just out of college and Mm -hmm. was moving. And so she didn't have her career job set up. And it basically took her option. She moved to a major city. But it shut down her options to go out and and find that career job. So she's been doing some part time stuff and she had worked in a gym and done some other stuff. Uh, And then my younger daughter was working retail and retail shut down for three months or two and a half months. And so she was, you know, she was still in high school at the time, but but it impacted her on that. And then was her college going to allow her to even come On campus Now, they did, but they're still doing classes remotely. But she was able to move to a dorm, but she was afraid that was going to be ripped away from her. So this is the transition section has been hard for both my kids. So I'm super interested in what you're talking Mm -hmm. about.
1: Yeah, it's been a big deal. The the, the twist or the unexpected part is that the younger members of Gen Z, we think, are going to eventually turn this into a positive. What do I mean by that? My daughter's nine years old. So she does uh, online learning now until her school comes back and so her her day she's in the fourth grade she turns in presentations in, on Google Classroom in Spanish with animation and it's totally normal for her to do that right she collaborates right now with other students she does things and to her it's now normal it wasn't originally but it's certainly gotten to be that place she's going to have the benefit of two things one the experience of those before her. So those like your uh, daughter's age, right? Those that are older, that are going through this transition are gonna leave clues of what younger members of the generation should do and not do frankly. And at the same time, you got a whole group of young people that's gonna have a very different learning experience. And they're gonna come out of this with all kinds of new tools and skills and things that are just completely normal to them that would not be completely normal to somebody 10, 15, 20 years older than themselves. So, and they're gonna be able to bring that into the workforce, bring that into problem solving, collaboration, saving, you name it, all of those, uh, the downside, we believe, are still going to be the mental health challenges because you've got a whole lot of kids, that are, like my daughter's an only child, that aren't able to socialize with other kids in person. They've you know, got concerns. I don't want to go see grandma because I don't want to get her sick. Like these sorts of things, definitely there. But from a skill set and likely from a career opportunity, they're going to come out further ahead than those older members of Gen Z who really got stuck in those transitions just due to timing. Sure.
0: All right. So as we wrap this up, let's, let's talk really quickly just back to the company side. Any last advice for people in companies who are listening to this besides buy the book Z Economy and read it? What else do they need to do to prepare for this this group of, of workers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what I would recommend that we always recommend for executives to do is create a generational snapshot. You can go right on my website. It's jasondorsey.com or you can go on our research firm's website, which is genhq.com, G-E-N-H-Q.com and look at the birth years and create a pie chart by generation of your employees or your customers. When people do this, they are stunned, absolutely shocked to see the generational breakdown. And we find that that's the first step to sort of creating an awareness to say, we need to have this conversation. And then being able to take whatever those tools or resources you want to use, if it's a Z-Economy book or videos of mine online or whatever, but just take those and begin to apply them to drive that. Um, We put out a state of Gen Z study. Our new one comes out in October, which has all this research on exactly what works. And we give it away for free. It's here's how to market message, communicate, build trust with Gen Z. And here's how to do that as employees, how they're different than millennials. It's not as uh, rich or as deep as the book, but we're always trying to come up with newer data to help people be able to take action. And I think that's really the key is use data to inform your generational conversation That way it's not stereotypes, but it's insights, and it's insights that value everybody. And your teaching
0: is just the opposite of what I think happens in society. Everything you teach isn't about pitting the generations against each other. It's you've got multiple generations working inside your company. Find ways to get them to work together.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I don't believe there's any value in being negative about generations. There's enough of that in the world. And in fact, we need every generation. We're stronger when we have that generational diversity, that diversity of thought and perspective life stage, life experience, and so forth. And that's what gets me really excited about this conversation, is you can see people get fired up that, oh, you're not putting me in a box. Oh, wow, you do know me. Wow, I didn't think that I could do that. That totally makes sense. I'm going to go try that. Like That's the greatest thing in the world for me. And, uh, and I feel so grateful to get to do that. I mean, I, I love it. So, you started
0: speaking on this when you were 18. That's more than 20 years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, you've had quite the career as a speaker. You've been one of the most sought after speakers in corporate America to talk to companies um, and and things like that. And you just had kind of an industry honor uh, a month ago. Uh, do you want to talk about what is the Speaker Hall of Fame and, and how is Jason Dorsey in that? Because, you know. <laughs> how did somebody so young get invited cause, to that? Because the Hall of Fame, you're like only almost 40-ish years old.
1: Yeah, no, it was a complete shock and surprise. I had no idea. And the coolest thing is that it's uh, my understanding is it's from your peers. And so for me, as somebody who my whole professional life, since I was 18, I've been a speaker and a writer uh, and an advisor to executives and companies uh, like this is what I do. Right. And so To have my peers, many of whom, frankly, are 10, 20 plus years older than me, um, you know, feel that I deserve to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. It was a a huge deal for us. And my wife and daughter got to be part of the celebration and my mentors got to watch. And it was just uh, it was unforgettable. You know, it's it's just a a huge gift and honor. And I'm just I'm so grateful and hopefully I'll, I'll do my best to represent it well.
0: Nice. Well, I was, I was very thrilled uh, uh, when I heard your name announced. Uh, it, uh, I was like, that's my friend. I know that guy. So <laughs> I, I now have friends in the Hall of Fame. So that's a good thing.
1: So, well, I guess we we're definitely friends. I now have a friend that has 600 podcasts. That to me is way more impressive.
0: <laughs> so, Jason, if somebody is like, yeah, I need to know more about the research they do. We need to have him talk to our executives. How do people find you?
1: Yeah, the easiest way is just to go directly to my website, which is my name, jasondorsey.com. J A S O N D O R S E Y.com. If you want to check out the book, you can go to zeconomy.com. That's Z dot com And if you order the book the, on that website, there's a, a link that we're doing special for you all that listen to Tom. Uh, please email me your, your receipt from Amazon and we'll send you a bunch of really cool videos that go deeply into all the different generations so you can use those for training. And then obviously I'm on all the social media. I just, I love this conversation. Would love to be engaged with anybody who listens to your show.
0: Yep. Well, like I said, there's a lot of people out there who talk about the generations, but there's very few people I would put into the legit expert category, and I would put you right on the top of that list. So Jason Dorsey, thank you for joining us here at
1: Making Waves at Sea Level. Any final thoughts? I just want to thank everybody and also say no matter what generation you're in, you're amazing, including Tom's Gen X.
0: Yay, yay for Gen X. Hey, (laughs) thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do this? Uh, I'm really excited to be coming up on episode 600, so please keep keep tuning in. And the big favor, yes, I want you to jump over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast love and and leave one of those five-star ratings and a positive review. But even more important than that, go tell a friend about the show. Every time I talk to somebody and they're like, oh, I love your podcast, my first question is, how did you find my podcast? And they always say, oh, my boss told me about it or my mom told me about it. So somebody is is talking it up. That's how people find it. That's what you could do for me. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Jason Dorsey. I know you're thinking, what? What? How will that ever happen? But it will. We always find somebody new. Uh, but in the meantime, I want you to go out there make some waves of your own Flex those entrepreneurial muscles. Make sure that your career ladder is against the correct wall, because there's nothing worse than getting to the top of that ladder and looking around going, oops, I'm in the wrong place. And while you're out there doing all those things, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.